Hey, everybody. Welcome. So, so good to see everybody here this morning. And what a wonderful, beautiful day that God has given us. So thanks for coming. Uh, let me uh, share with you something that I think is uh, really exciting. You know, I, we've been talking about doing uh, Just Because cards. I mean, there's some back, back there on the table. Uh, these cards that you take and you try to shower this area with uh, acts of kindness and generosity. Well, we decided this last week that uh, in two weeks, September 6th, we're going to take the entire offering of what is given that weekend, and we're going to put it into a just because fund for our community so that we can kind of shower this whole area at a time when it's so desperately needed. And we've already started. I want to tell you this, that uh, we saw this last week, and this is kind of what spurred it on. This last week, we saw that uh, the Hudson teachers were posting on Facebook a wish list of different things that they wanted in order to start this school year, because the school year is going to be so much different with COVID. And so we decided to jump in, and we fulfilled every wish that was still on the wish list. Isn't that? Yeah. And so now we are being showered with uh, thanks from different teachers and so I want you to know that we have already written a check that you guys need to cash on September 6th. So come ready to give, and that will begin this process, I think, of making this whole community begin to feel the love and affection of God. All right. Thanks. All right, we are uh, in our seven-week series on the First John. Uh, we're calling it Letter of Love. And uh, this is a wonderful Letter, and we only get to spend seven weeks on it, so we're kind of bouncing around. And I want to talk about three verses right smack dab in the middle of this letter. John is writing this as an old man, and it's like right there in the middle of the letter, he like bursts forth with just a, a shock, a, a surprise at the love of God. And I feel like I need to do that more inside of myself, and maybe you do too, just to be reminded of how wonderful and amazing the love of God is. So let me read the verses, and then I'll explain. This is uh, 1 John chapter 3, the first three verses. John says, what, see what kind of love... Oh. I like that there's a wind... All right. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is God's word, and it's true. It's like uh, John uh, grabs us as the readers by the shoulders and shakes us and says, can you believe it? See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. Uh, years ago, I was uh, visiting Israel, and we went to the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea has so much salt content that if you go swimming in the Dead Sea, you float like you float nowhere else. I mean, it's crazy. 
I went swimming there and you could, you could sit like you were sitting in a lawn chair and fold your legs. You could do the Superman and have just like this much of your body touching the water. The rest would be out. And after swimming in the Dead Sea, I went to the men's locker room to change. And there were men of all different nationalities in that locker room. And I heard someone say, hey, does anybody here speak English? And no one said anything. So I said, I do. And this guy comes walking fast right over to me, gets in my face, and he says, was that awesome or what? That's, that's all he wanted to do. He needed to tell someone how amazing it is. That's what John does here. And the thing I love about this is that John is an old man. He is, at this point, he is most probably the last disciple left, and he is not lost the idea that this is a, an amazing, breathtaking, life-changing love of God that has cascaded on him and changed him forever. There are three ways that he describes this love in these three verses. He says this is a love that is given, this is a love that calls, and this is a love that transforms. It's a love that is given, it's a love that calls, and it's a love that transforms. First, it's a love that is given. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given us. The New International Version says, see what kind of love the Father has lavished on us. The King James Version says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. I like that word behold because it captures the shock of it all. I like the word lavished because it captures the extravagance. This is the deepest secret of Christianity. This is the deepest secret of Christianity, that the love of God is given and not earned. In fact, this is the way you can tell whether you are a real Christian or whether you are a good religious person. It's also a way to tell whether you are sliding, if you are a real Christian, whether you are sliding from thinking and acting like a real Christian to thinking and acting more like a good religious person. Not that you lose your salvation, but that you begin to forget the gospel. Because when any of us really encounter this grace-filled love that is given, it is overwhelming. It happened to me when I was 19 years old. When I was driving from the university that I was attending to my home after a 13-month moral freefall, and I ended up asking God simply if I could come home. And at that moment, I felt what the prodigal son must have felt in Luke chapter 15. I felt God the Father run to me, wrap his arms around me, and love me with a love I did not deserve in any way. Right? And that moment, at that moment, the furthest thing from my mind would be to judge anyone or to think that I was better than anyone else, right? And that if there was social media back then, if I was posting on social media, there'd be nothing else I would think about posting. I wouldn't think about posting about where I'd been. I wouldn't be thinking about posting about politics. The only thing I'd be thinking about posting would be about this amazing, breathtaking, life-changing love of God then what happens is that feeling wears off over time. And then I would try to become a good Christian for all the right reasons, but the danger is when you start to become a better person, 
It's easy to start to feel like you're becoming a better person because of your own effort. And before you know it, you are looking down on other people. You're judging other people. and You're complaining about all kinds of things. But John, as an old man, does not lose the wonder and astonishment of it all. See, one of the problems is if you are a Christian or if you are a good religious person, you basically do the same things. You, you might read the Bible or go to a Bible study or come here to worship, and you might give and you might serve. But the difference can be this, that when things begin to go wrong in your life, when your life is not working out the way you want it to, and you begin to think to yourself, what's the use? What's the good of following God, what's the good of following Jesus if this is the way my life is going to turn out? When that thought hits you, whether you realize it or not, what you are believing deep down is that the love of God is earned and not given. And you have earned it, therefore God is in debt to you and you deserve better from God. You know, when you play poker, uh, there's a thing called a tell. You know, when you're playing poker, you don't want your opponents to know the cards that you have. In fact, you want them to think that you have something different than what you have. If you have a good hand, you want them to think you have a bad hand. If you have a bad hand, you want them to think you have a good hand. But a tell is something where you get a good hand and you don't, you subconsciously, you'll play with your ring or you touch your face. And, and they call it a tell because you are telling your opponents what is true, what is really true, not what you want them to think. So let me give you three tells to kind of determine whether you are really believing deep down that the love of God is given to you as a gift and it is not earned. The first is that if I ask you, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And you think in your mind right now, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. That's a tell. Because what you're saying is, I'm trying to live in such a way that I might deserve the love of God. That means you do not believe that this love is given. If I say, are you a Christian? You say, of course, I've always been a Christian. That's another tell. There is no of course about this. No one is born a Christian. Listen, what happens, it's almost like adoption. No one is born adopted. You are adopted, and it's not something that you do. It's something that two gracious parents give to you. It's a love that is given, and I'll get to that in a minute. And the third tell is a positive one. That's resilience. It's a resilience. A Christian who really understands and is living in the midst of the gospel is amazingly resilient. That means when things aren't going the way you want them to go, when you lose your job or when your family's not doing well or your kids aren't doing well, or your marriage isn't doing well, instead of blaming God and getting mad at God, which is a way of saying that you have earned his blessing, you crawl up into his arms like a child who has a terrible day at school because you know that God the Father will lavish you with his love. There is a buoyancy to people who live right smack dab in the middle of the gospel that is amazing. What kind of love is this? First, it's a love that is given and not earned. Secondly, it's a love that calls. This is what John says. Battle with the wind again. John says... 
Beloved, we are not God's children now. No, wait. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I love the way John says that. John, first of all, he says that we are children of God. That's a change in status. But John's actually telling us two things about what it means to be a child of God. He's saying that we are made a child of God, which is a change of status. But when he says, and so we are, he's talking about an experience of being loved by God. There is both an objective reality to being a child of God, and there is a subjective reality of being a child of God and feeling God's affection. We start with the objective reality. When COVID first hit, I got an email inviting me by, uh, from one of the families in our church to participate uh, in their adoption. They were finalizing their adoption of their son. And so we're on this Zoom call, and we're all in these boxes, and we're looking at the judge. And, you know, a lot of uh, people call this the gotcha day for a child. And there came a time in the midst of that ceremony where the judge had asked the parents, is this what you really want? And they both said, absolutely. And the judge, she turned, she said, okay, and she showed us this document, this certificate, and she said, I'm going to seal it now. And she turned around, and you could hear the seal. It went like, ka-chung, like that. And then she turned back, and she showed it to us with the official seal and signature. And she said, congratulations, you have a son. And it was so moving, because at that moment, that little boy became as much the son of those parents as my son Jeremy is my son. There's a change in status. In the Roman Empire, at the time when John wrote this, what happened when a wealthy Roman would not have an heir and he would decide to adopt a young man to be his heir, the moment he adopted that young man, all the debts that the young man had would be transferred to the father, and all the wealth of the father would be transferred to that young man. And that's exactly what happens with Christianity. And that's what John is saying. When he says, when we become a child of God, then all of our debt, all of our sin gets transferred to Jesus, and all of Jesus' righteousness gets transferred to us. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's a gotcha day. There comes a time, like for me, my gotcha day happened when I was 19 years old in a Volkswagen Beetle driving from Tampa to Orlando. If you are not a Christian, you need a gotcha day. You need a day when it becomes an objective reality, a change in your status, and you become a child of God where he assumes your debt and you receive his wealth. But John goes on. He doesn't just stop with status. He says, we become, we are called children of God, and so we are. There is some kind of subjective experience to the love of God. Thomas Goodwin, who is a 17th century theologian, described it like this. He said, imagine you are watching a father and a little boy walking, holding hands. And the little boy knows that that's his father, and he knows that his father loves him, but you see all of a sudden the father lean down and swing the boy, just sweep him up into his arms and hold him tight and whisper in his ear, buddy, you know how much I love you. 
If an army were to come over that hill, I would fight them all for you. You know, as a dad, you say stuff like that to little toddlers, and the, and the little boy would smile, a big smile, and his eyes would sparkle, and he'd say, you would fight them all, and the father would go, absolutely, for you. John, here he is as an old man, and he's not just talking about a change in status. He's not just talking about the objective reality of becoming a child of God because of this great love. He is experiencing the deep affection of God. He's experiencing God sweeping him into his arms and letting him know how much he loves him. Maybe that's what you need right now. Maybe that's why you have come right now, and that's exactly what God wants to do for you. What kind of love is this? It's a love that is given and not earned. It's a love that calls, and finally, it's a love that transforms. This is what it says. In verse 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. No, I love that. But for years, I would read that verse, and I would just kind of skip over it, because I didn't really understand how it might work. I didn't take the time to think it through. How would actually just seeing Jesus face to face have the power to change me and transform me to be like him? How does seeing Jesus change you? How will it change you? Let me uh, try to put it like this. My, my wife and I uh, like flowers. We're not great with flowers, but we like flowers. And we did better with them this year uh, because we discovered uh, that they need to be watered. Who knew? Uh, Who knew that flowers needed so much water? But we have watered them all the time, right, to make sure that they have enough. And we realized that there is no substitute for water. I mean, flowers also need sun. But if you don't water them and they get more sun, that doesn't compensate for the lack of water. In fact, that could speed up their demise. So we have learned, right? Flowers need water to flourish. And just like flowers need water to flourish, a human being needs love to flourish. And if a human being doesn't get enough love, there's nothing that can compensate for that lack of love. Success will not compensate for a lack of love. Fame will not compensate for a lack of love. In fact, those things can actually speed up the demise of a human being. A child who is not experiencing the love that they need will not flourish An adult who is not experiencing the love that they need will feel it in their core, right? There is something about love that makes a human being change and begin to flourish. There's a moment in every romantic comedy that I actually really like. And I know just mentioning that I watch romantic comedies means that I lose my man card with some of you, but I got the women right now. But there comes a time, and I really enjoy this moment because the whole movie and every romantic comedy is the same. And it it is moving toward a moment where the two people that the whole movie has been about come face to face, and they finally receive what they thought they would never get, which is the love of the other. And that's when everything changes, when Tom Hanks looks at Meg Ryan at the end of You've Got Mail and says, don't cry, shop girl, don't cry. 
Right? When Renee Zellweger looks at Tom Cruise and says, you had me at hello, and that's the last one I'm going to give, so you don't know how many romantic comedies I've actually seen. Right? But if you want to know how much love actually changes a human being, all you have to look at is the fairy tales that we tell our children. Right? The fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast. What actually brings Cinderella back to life? What is the power, or Sleeping Beauty back to life, what is the power that rescues Cinderella from a life of abuse and isolation? What is the power that changes the beast? And it's always, always love. Listen, if, if it's true that a flower will not flourish without water, and if it's true that a human being will not flourish without love, then when you come face to face with Jesus, you will be coming face to face with the very headwaters of love itself. I read a book some time ago called The Case for Grace by Lee Strobel. And it's just a bunch of different stories. And my favorite story in that book is a story about a young woman named Stephanie. And Stephanie was... Uh, Korean, and she was actually abandoned when she was three years old. And she lived on her own from the time she was three to the time she was six. She survived somehow on her own, and then was laying dying when an orphanage worker picked her up and carried her to an orphanage. And she was there at the orphanage from six to nine, and when she was nine years old, an American couple came to the orphanage. And they were considering adopting her, but she was so unused to love that when the man knelt down and caressed her face, she was so overwhelmed, she didn't know what to do. So she spit in his face and ran off. And she thought, he will never, they will never uh, love me now. But this American couple adopted her because love is given and not earned. And this little girl, Stephanie, was, couldn't still comprehend it and she was playing with another little girl there in Korea. And she said to the other little girl, oh, these Americans are very, very strange. Because they don't beat me. They haven't put me to work yet. And they give me all kinds of stuff. And the little girl she was playing with said, Stephanie, you are their daughter. And Stephanie said, what? No. And this little girl said, no, Stephanie, you are their daughter. And for some reason, it began to sink in, and Stephanie ran all the way to where her adopted mom was. And she ran up to her mom, and she started shouting in Korean, I am your daughter. I am your daughter. And the, the American woman couldn't understand Korean, and the, the house the, the housemaid said to her, she is shouting, she is your daughter. She is your daughter. And this woman grabbed her with tears running down her face and said, yes, yes, you are my daughter. And she hugged her. And that was the beginning of the healing of this woman named Stephanie. And if the hug of a woman who is adopting a child can begin to change that child like that, what will the healing be for you when you see the face of Jesus 
And Jesus, with tears in his eyes, holds you close and says, I have always loved you. I have always loved you. John, as an old man, grabs us as readers and shakes us and says, what kind of love is this that the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God and so we are? This is a love that is given and not earned. It's a love that calls you the very child of God, both objectively and subjectively, and it's a, it's a love that will transform you from whatever you are now into the person that Jesus made you to be. Let's be a group of people that dive deep into the gospel and hang on for all we're worth so we never forget. So we become like John. The older we get, the more astonished we are at this deep love. That for Jesus, love matters most. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you and we are so, so grateful. It's just an astounding thing. And I want to be like John. I don't, I don't want to, to get used to it. I don't want to, uh, to begin to act as if I'm just a good person. I, I want to remember that you are a God who loves us. And that love is given and not earned. It's all by grace. And that love calls us your children. And that changes everything. And then that love has the power to actually transform each and every one of us. I pray that you do that now. Thanks for your love for us. We pray this in your blessed name. Amen.